Create an Unstoppable Life, episode 170. Create an Unstoppable Life is all about mindset for the high achiever to help you build a life of fulfillment and freedom. I'm your host, Dina George, MD, a mindset and marketing coach and a family medicine physician. It's an honor to spend time with you today. Welcome back. You know where we're at? We've got two days, today, tomorrow, and that's it for 2022. Pretty incredible. So I remember back in the army, I was promoted to major at exactly six years from the date of my promotion. I didn't feel any different. One day I was a captain. My promotion date was on a Sunday, so I was able to promote at 17.01 on Friday. So all day up until 1700, I was a captain. And at 17.01, magically, I was a major. (laughs) You can imagine I felt exactly the same. Nothing was different. I was still me. And two days from now, I'll probably feel a lot like I do right now. (laughs) Because we're all going to wake up and still be ourselves with the same patterns and habits, the same baggage, the same joys, the same worries, the same outlook, unless we really believe that the slate is wiped clean at midnight or at 0001 on January 1st, unless we really believe that we're renewed and we've released all this stuff that holds us back from 2022, we leave it in 2022. We don't bring it with us because you know, we are on a mission. We're on a mission to better, whatever better looks like in your life, whatever better feels like in your life. It's your definition of better. Nobody else's. That's kind of where we're going today, but before diving in, two things to tell you. One, or actually two things to share. Number one, happy anniversary, Craig. 27 years ago, specialist George and I married, and it's been an incredible journey. Here's why. It's because he's patient, loving, loyal, kind, generous. (laughs) Thank you. The second announcement, Emerge for Doctors, begins on Sunday, our virtual community kickoff. So if you're a woman physician or dentist and you want meaningful connection and unique gatherings, then join us. The link to sign up for the email list and receive the Zoom link for Sunday is in the show description. Today, we are talking about three things, specifically three things to leave behind in 2022. So that when you magically cross over into 2023, the clock turns midnight, 0001, these are no longer part of your life. These three things happen to be the most common, at least what I see as the most common things that trip up high achievers. They get us stuck. They keep us stuck. They focus our attention negatively. So you'll hear the thing, and then you'll hear how to extricate it from your life, meaning not take it with you into 2023. So you can hold on to it today. (laughs) I know this is coming out late. You can hold on to it tomorrow, but you cannot take it with you in 2023. Here's thing number one, saying, I don't know. Those three words, they are a killer. They're a killer for the high achiever. Here's what it sounds like. I don't know what I want. I don't know where to start. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know why I started. I don't know how I got so lost or got off track. Does any of this sound familiar? Notice where the focus is on not knowing, 
on figuring out why we don't know or what we should know or where we should be instead. And I'll tell you that I don't know will never take you to knowing ever. It simply doesn't generate that type of energy. It does not open the doors that you want to walk through. It does not create movement. It does not create flow. It does not inspire or encourage you. Instead, it's just this negative spiral. At best, you will spin around, but more than likely, you'll just feel negatively and quit. I don't know. It says, sit down, think about it because you really need to know. You need to know how you got off track. You need to know where to start. And why don't you? And why don't you know how to fix it? That's what I don't know does. Notice all of these imply that there's a defect within you. You're wrong. You did something wrong. You have to know what was wrong and correct the wrong, and then you can start. Except none of that is true. You aren't wrong. You didn't do something wrong. This isn't about you needing to be fixed. You're human. And stuff happens to all of us. It's because I don't know is vague and it's sticky. It's like stepping in poo. You just sit there. You look at it. You wish it wasn't there. And then you sit down. You spend way too much time cleaning it up, only it's not clean. You feel worse and you smell terrible. That's I don't know. It wastes your time. It steals your energy. So today or tomorrow, before midnight, extract it from your vocabulary. And not just I don't know, but extract the whole concept from your vocabulary, because I know you, you can be very creative and come up with a different set of words that conveys the same message. And you can say, but I'm not saying, I don't know, but you're still saying the same thing. Okay. That's how my brain works. Maybe yours does too. And it's equally a waste of time and energy. And in fact, you're putting more time and energy thinking about a way to say, I don't know, without using the words, I don't know. (laughs) Here's an example of before and after. So question. Hey, what's your son doing for Christmas? I don't know. Hey, what's your son doing for Christmas? He hasn't shared. Do those responses, do they sound the same to you as the receiver? They don't to me. The first one sounds heavy. There's an implication that I should know or I should wait to find out and that the asker should rely on me to be the source of information. The second one just lets it roll right off. It's more specific. It puts the focus on him. It directs the asker to him. I'm not in the middle. I'm not stuck in life waiting to find out what he's doing. It didn't really happen, just so you know. (laughs) He's in good graces. (laughs) Here's another one. I don't know what I want. Notice the implication is I should know, and I have to make it right. I have to make the right decision on what I want because it's all or nothing. I can't get it wrong. And there's something wrong with me that I don't know. Except the stakes aren't that high 99% of the time, and it's not all or nothing. And it turns out there is no wrong. When you remove, I don't know, from the way you think, you're free to say something like, what do I want to experience next? Just notice the lightness, the ease. What do I want to experience next? Because that's what life is. It's an experience after an experience. So your mind can be in a place of curiosity, of learning, because there is no right, which means there is no wrong. And it's very simple. What's the next step? What's the next experience? We've talked about this before because I've shared how I talk to family members in the hospital who are surrogate decision makers for their loved ones. It means that their loved ones either cannot make a decision, they don't have capacity, 
or they're, they're not awake, they're not alert, maybe they're intubated. So the loved one is making the decision for them. And the pressure is intense because the family member, they think that they are literally pulling the plug on their family member, like that they have so much power and they have to make this decision and they have to get it right. I share with them, you are not deciding if your family member lives or dies, their body is going to decide. What you're deciding is what they will experience in the meantime. And that's it. You're deciding, does mom go on life support or does she stay on life support? Maybe you're deciding, does she have surgery? Is she going to receive dialysis? And then I I remind them, let's go back to what you do know. What has mom said about what she would want if she couldn't make a decision for herself Or if it didn't look good that she would have a quality life, would she want this? What have you heard her say about her friends who are experiencing something big or maybe about her friends who passed away? Would she have wanted to go through what they did? Or how about with her parents? Did she ever say what they experienced at the end of the life? And if that's something that she would want or what she wanted for them? So we can look at what they do know and kind of piece it together and take the heaviness of the decision. And again, I remind them, you are not deciding life or death. That is not your decision to make. We're only deciding based on what we know right now, what she would want and where to go from here. And we can do the same thing here. What do we know? What don't we want? Sometimes it's very clear. What don't we want? And based on that, you can start to piece together what you do want. But even easier, where do you want to start? Just make it so simple. Where do you want to start? What do you want to experience? What's next? Remember, there's no right answer, so there's no wrong answer. It's choosing a place. And here's the big concept. It's allowing it to be enough without knowing in advance how any decision is going to work out. It's allowing your choice to be enough and it's allowing yourself to be enough. You do know something. So focus there. Keep the metaphorical door open. Keep yourself in motion. Lower the stakes on the decision and decide simply what you want to experience. A few years ago, I was in a mastermind and it was good. Someone asked, hey, are you renewing? I don't know. Which was really code for, I feel like I should. Others are doing great things. Others, it seems like they're getting ahead. I don't know. But the truth was, it was good, but it wasn't a place that delighted me. I'd learned some, I executed some, but at the end of the day, it wasn't where I wanted to be. So I don't know, evolved into, do I want to experience this again? No. I don't know, it was unnecessary. I was stalling. I was hiding behind what I did know. That once was enough. A question that we're still hearing, and I'm so glad that we're still hearing, keep asking, when's the next conference? For a while it was, I don't know. And then it was, we're just not ready. It's kind of like asking parents who just delivered a baby when the next one's coming. (laughs) So now I can definitively say when the community is built and the community wants it, that's when the next conference will be. I anticipate a year and we'll know when we know. That's my response. I don't have to say I don't know anymore. Clarity, focus, strength with believing my answer and not wavering and not shooting all over myself. I don't know. will mask how you feel. Don't allow it. 
It covers up what you want. It puts a a film over what you're worried about and it allows those worries to stay there and you no longer need it. It no longer needs to steal your time, your energy, your money. You no longer need to keep doing things that you think you should, but you really don't want to. You have permission to know and permission to lead the way forward. You don't need any of it, but it's here if you want it. So let's practice with these questions. You may ask yourself or others may ask you, when are you cleaning the closet? I don't know. What you're really saying, I don't want to. So instead, just say, I'm not. It's not important. It's not a priority. It's overwhelming right now. Just say it. Allow it to be enough and move on. When are you starting a business? I don't know. So uncover what's behind it. Are you overwhelmed, frustrated? Do you feel like it's too late or you're too old? Are you doubting it's going to work or worried about going from being employed to providing for yourself? Say that instead. Get real with yourself and others. Last one. Why aren't you friends anymore? One response, I don't know what happened. Or instead you can say, the relationship lost trust and respect due to poor communication. It may mend one day, but right now the emotions, they just need to cool off. Is that enough? (laughs) Have we covered this enough? Do you have clarity and more definitive responses for you and for others? And how to get yourself out of the middle when people want to know things that aren't yours to know or to share? What this really distills down into is being intentional and aware of what you are creating. Thing number two, using the past against yourself. High achievers, we do this. Specialist George was promoted to Sergeant George, and I was in in AmeriCorps earning $660 a month. So we had very little money, but it was super exciting to have $20 left at the end of the month because we could go to putt-putt and play mini golf, like a whole, the whole thing, not just part of it. And then we could go to Dairy Queen and have dinner. And that was living large. Like we were on top of the world. We made it. Using the past against myself would sound like, look how little we had and how happy we we were. And then followed by something like, oh, now we have so much and it's not really exciting. I don't do that, thankfully. (laughs) I do a lot of things, but not that one. (laughs) I simply share it to show the comparison of now to then, show the judgment for who I am now, show the shame for not being better now, for not holding on to those values or the excitement, and to highlight guilt that's associated with changing or maybe wanting more. That's using the past against ourselves. I haven't worked a night since August of 2016. I haven't been on call since June of 2015. Using the past against myself, I could say I should be happy. I'm not working nights anymore. I'm not on call anymore. It's so much more than what other people have. It's like, look at how far I've come combined with a metaphorical slap on the cheek. (laughs) Basically telling myself to shut up. You have enough. Be happy. You can't want more. Look at how good you have it already. Get back in that box. Get back to work. Does your heart hurt hearing that? Mine does. Like even to say it. And many of us do this regularly. The comparison is saying that we can't have more and how dare we ask and why aren't we happy? I don't think there's ever a good reason to use the past against ourselves, ever. That comparison to who we are now and what the priorities are now and what we've learned or experienced between then and now, it is so unfair and unnecessary. Our lives are all different compared to 27 years ago. 
we honor ourselves by seeing who we are today and acknowledging where we're at physically, mentally, and spiritually, and allowing our human to come out. Even if life is leaps and bounds better, it doesn't negate our experience today. We can struggle because that is part of the human experience. We will struggle. We will suffer. Things will be challenging no matter how much better they are today. So the past is the past and let it stay there. Appreciate it for what it was and be here today. Be you now, every bit of you, and continue to work towards better because that's what it's really about. If you love every aspect of your life, you can still want more. If you live a life that looks completely different and is better than 10 years ago, you can still want more. If you've gone farther than your siblings or your parents in terms of income, education, or status, you can want more. If you no longer worry about covering rent and you still have emotions around money, income, and the future, you can still want more. You can still be human. Our human goes everywhere with us. Because things are better does not imply that they're perfect or that you should be anything different than who you are. Feel what you feel. Allow it. Embrace it. That's what allows you to be you, be real, and be aware that comparison on every level will hurt you. Because you're doing better than someone else, so what? I was running yesterday. I passed some walkers. So obviously I'm moving faster than they were. So what? That doesn't mean anything about them or me. Some runners pass me by. So what? It doesn't say anything about me or them because we are all on a different journey. Because I ran 20 seconds faster per mile the day before. So what? My body was in a different place yesterday. I share this to show you comparison is unnecessary and it holds us hostage to outdated beliefs or expectations. We simply don't need it. Set yourself free. Enjoy the past however you remember it. Look at the gains that you've made since then. Focus on where you are right now, where you're going, and all the emotions that you are feeling now. That's all that matters. Let's recap our journey so far. Thing number one, I don't know, is a swamp that will keep you stuck. There is zero reason to enter it. Stay clear, stay focused. Thing number two, comparison to your past and comparison to others is a way to beat yourself up and stay small. And now, thing number three. Waiting for people to join your journey. Like holding yourself back until they're ready, until they join, until they follow, until they get on board. Because I hear it from well-intentioned people that want to support me. They say things like, oh, I wish I could go this month, but it isn't good. And the tendency for many is to be like, okay, I'll wait until next month. And then it comes, oh, this month isn't good. Wait, I really want you to join. Meanwhile, the dream, the calling, the goal, it just kind of slips away. The waiting for someone to be ready. A sweet friend created a group for women to come together and share ideas and talk about real life and real relationships. Lots of interest. Oh, I want to be there. I want to do that. And very few showed up to the event. What happened? She said, why, why didn't people come? Here's the bigger question. Why are you waiting? People show us what they want by their actions. Invite the people who are hungry for what you're hungry for. Invite the ones who are willing to commit energy, time, and emotion for a relationship. 
It's easier to invite hungry people to dine than it is to invite the ones who are taking a nap and have a full belly. You know, in relay races, like in track, there's the person with the baton running up to the person who's going to receive the baton. And that person, so the one running with the baton, we'll call them number one, who is running towards number two. Number two doesn't just stand there and wait for the baton to magically come. They start running. And then person number one passes it to them, right? So find the people who want to run, who want to pass the baton. Those are your people. Years ago, I said, it's easier to make a friend that wants to mountain bike than it is to get a current friend to mountain bike. I asked all my friends, hey, you want to go? Hey, you want to go? Oh, yeah, that sounds interesting. Oh, but I don't have any time. So I joined the local mountain biking club, and then there were 10 people to ask or group rides to join. So rather than continuing to ask friends who really weren't interested and who were being polite, I found people who wanted to ride. We can like people, we can love people, we can go on our journey without them. And the ones who want to be on it, they will work to keep up with you. They will work to keep up with me. It's important for you to hear that again. They will work to keep up with you. If they want to be on that journey, they will meet you where you're at and move with you. So you no longer have to do all the work. You are not responsible for them. You know, I resigned from a clinic a few years ago and I recently saw someone who worked there. I don't know if she still does. And she was sharing what she's doing now and how her life has changed and what she's looking forward to. And at the end of the conversation, I had the best feeling ever because I realized how far I've come and how much my life has changed on purpose and how necessary it was to resign and leave that environment because it was never going to support me. It was never going to support the growth and the development, the journey that I was on, the journey that I'm continuing to stay on. I was trying to pass a baton to somebody who had no interest in running. And in fact, they didn't even want to be there. (laughs) I learned and I left. We simply must surround ourselves with an active community for our callings to have a chance. We cannot pull people along. Even if they say they want to be there, even if they say they want to help, If they aren't running to keep up, using that relay race analogy, they will drag you down. Pause for a moment. I'm not saying cut off relationships or drop people. What I'm saying is to stop doing all the work and stop carrying people on your dream. Allow them to walk on their own so that you maintain your energy and you maintain your focus and you keep going. People can be part of your life without being part of that journey or part of that dream. And we spend, we high achievers, we spend so much energy carrying others, believing that we need them to be there or simply wanting them to be there. But that energy doesn't renew. And in fact, it steals energy from the calling. So someone doesn't fully believe, okay, I'll see you. Someone doesn't fully want to commit, okay, I'm leaving now. They can't see the future, okay, bye. Surround yourself with people who are hungry, people who wake up each morning and they slay resistance and they take the next step towards their purpose. People who both get their ass kicked and kick ass. People who want more and realize the biggest obstacle, the biggest threat to their success is themselves. These are your people. Don't trust your desires, your calling, your purpose, your path to just anyone. They've got to be qualified. They've got to prove that they're capable of taking this journey with you. 
mentally capable and maybe even physically capable, depending on what your purpose is. You wouldn't hand your new puppy to someone who's disinterested or half-hearted to take care of it. You hand your puppy to somebody who really is interested in sharing and nurturing and caring for it. So start running. And those meant to be on the journey will run with you. You can continue inviting. You can continue inviting them. Just say, come on, let's go. Come on. I'm not waiting, but you're welcome to join me. And then don't wait. And when you realize you've been waiting because we're human and we do that and we don't want to leave people behind, then start again. Okay, bye. I'm leaving. There is a community out there for you that wants what you want, that experiences all the emotions of the unknown and that remains consistent to their purpose. Open your eyes to them. They are around. And if you're a woman physician or dentist, join us in Emerge and join us on Sunday. And if you have the additional honor of serving in the U.S. military, either now or in the past, then join me in Women Warrior Healers. Two communities of women who are hungry, women doing amazing things, women who are passing the baton and receiving the baton while leading real lives. So that's it. Those are your three things to leave in 2022 along with some strategies to do better in 2023. And I will see you in January. Ciao.